From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Take off those old clothes. Give them to Good Bill. (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Great to be back in the Chase Auditorium. You know, last week was our 20th anniversary. We were pretty happy about that, but as they say, it's the third decade where you really shine. So today might be the day we finally get it right. (laughs) Later on, we're going to be talking to Kevin Kwan, the author of the best-selling book turned hit movie, Crazy Rich Asians. And we'll reminisce with him about the times when crazy rich people only ruined real estate prices and not everything. (laughs) But first, it's your turn. Give us a call. The number is one wait wait That's one 888 Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. How you doing, Peter? I'm fu- a big fan. Well, My thank Sean. you. Oh, hi, Sean. Where are you calling from? Calling from Newburgh, New York, Peter. Ne- 60 miles north of New York City. Oh, I know that area well. I've spent some time up there, like around New Paltz in the Mohunk Mountain House. You know, I was stalking you right through that area. <laughs> <laughs> I sensed a certain anonymous but polite menace. <laughs> Sean, let me introduce you to our panel this week. First, it's a comedian performing at Top Golf in Las Vegas, Nevada. On November 23rd and 24th, it's Helen Hong. Hi. Hi, Sean. Next, a writer for WGN's Man of the People, who'll be headlining Zanies in Chicago, November 19th and 20th, and Good City Brewing in Milwaukee on November 28th. It's Adam Burke. Hello, Sean. How are you? Hey, Sean. And finally, it's a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning and host of our special series of 20th anniversary bonus podcasts, Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed. It's Faith Saley. Hello, Sean. Oh, thanks. Sean, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis, of course, is going to read you three quotations from the week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you'll win our prize. Any voice from our show, you may choose on your voicemail. You ready to play? Oh, I am ready. All right, here is your first quote. When I can, I tell the truth. That was someone (laughs) weirdly telling the truth to ABC News this week. Who tells the truth when he's able? President uh, Donald J. Trump. It would be. (laughs) It would be. There's only a few shopping days until the midterms. Everyone's going nuts. It's like Black Friday but it's like all the trampling with none of the deals. (laughs) Now, for his part, as we approach the midterms, the president is doing whatever he can to rally his base. He's promising tax cuts, warning about invading hordes, and sending troops to the border. He's throwing everything at the wall, but nothing is sticking because he still hasn't (laughs) built the wall. (laughs) The president keeps lying about this caravan of refugees from Honduras. He says it's full of criminals and it's an invasion. Somebody should tell him it's just a line for people coming to his next inauguration. Just mentioning that there's no wall there, it just makes me think of him sending down like 15,000 mimes that could just pretend (laughs) to mime the wall to make him feel good. (laughs) So he holds some kind of press conference in which he's supposed to talk about policy, but he announces that if these menacing hordes come and throw rocks at these 15,000 mimes he'll be sending down, um, that they will be treated as if they are rifles. Yes, because he said the rock is the same as a rifle, which which is why his hunting trips never went well. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, 
can we just, if, if, if people are going to be throwing rocks, can we just start by meeting them with paper and scissors? Can That'd we start be, there? That would be funny. I also, I mean, it's not surprising, really, because this president, the only Hispanic people he's aware of are baseball players. So yeah. you think everyone is throwing like 93 <laughs> miles an hour. He's got some heat on it. Rocks, yeah. <laughs> All right, Sean. Sean, here is your next quote. I'd like to be president. That was somebody saying, for real, that she might want to run for president again in 2020. Who? Mrs. Clinton? Yes, Hillary Clinton. After losing an election to Donald Trump, losing an election to Donald Trump, (laughs) Secretary Clinton hinted this week she might want to lose to him again. No need. We believe you can do it. We watched the first time. You know, upon hearing this or saying this, the DNC is like, yeah, they were right. We really should have locked her up. She... (laughs) She was being interviewed, um, and she was asked if she would run for president again, and she said no, and the interviewer said, really? And she said, well, I'd like to be president, and she went on as to how much more qualified she would be for the job than Donald Trump. That's true, but anyone could say that. (laughs) Anyone. Literally. (laughs) If she did run, Hillary would have to go up against Elizabeth Warren, who's definitely running in 2020. By the way, Hillary also had a DNA test, and it turns out she's 100% really should not run for president. You know, um, in Hollywood, there's a like a loose term uh, because of the, the the failure of the movie, The Phantom Menace. Remember when The Phantom Menace came out? Oh, there was that yes. horrible character, Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. No. And there's now a term called, oh, you need someone to Jar Jar Binks you. And what that means that mean? like it means like George Lucas didn't have anyone near him to say, you know what, this character is really <laughs> pretty awful, and maybe you should pull it out of the movie. Hillary needs to get Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> She needs somebody near her to be like, girl, you need a different hobby. Or could I I suggest some sort of presidential fantasy camp where she could go like, you know, once every six months, sign something, kiss some babies. Stand in front of a podium. I feel like we're living in a presidential fantasy camp, dark fantasy. (laughs) You know, but this is interesting. Uh, While all that was going on, and by the way, her aide said, no, no, she doesn't really mean it. She's really not going to run. But... You know who might, who actually is quietly putting together maybe a challenge to Donald Trump is Mitt Romney, who's going to be elected to the Senate next week. And so he's oh. going to run in 2020 against the president. And, it's, and his slogan is going to be Mitt Romney. I don't look so bad now, do I? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is with Hillary, too, like when she goes... Uh, ah, she was just joking, which is another great example of the fantastic Hillary Clinton comedic ability. Because she made another joke at one of these things where someone mixed up Eric Holder and Cory Booker, and Hillary said, well, they all look alike, and it's just one of what? the... What? Hillary Clinton trying to tell jokes is like when a dog walks on its hind legs and tries to dance. I know you think you're doing it, but you're not doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, Sean, here is your last quote, and your last quote is about Halloween. If you have three pieces, it's not so bad, but most people don't do that. Now, that was a nutritional expert saying that not only is it the worst-tasting Halloween candy, it's the worst for you. What is it? I 
would go with what is sticking on my forehead right now, a candy corn. Candy corn, yes. <laughs> it's the weekend after Halloween, and by now you're probably down to the dregs of your stolen bag of candy, leaving only a couple of bit of honeys and some stray candy corns down there. That's the worst Halloween candy. Candy corn is made from corn syrup, orange and yellow food dye, and the strange liquid that accumulates on bus seats. <laughs> But it turns out, not only does candy corn taste bad, it's actually the worst candy for you. It's all sugar, of course, but since it comes in such small pieces, people tend to eat whole handfuls of it at once. What? Well, this is the problem. First of all, Peter, can we give it some respect? I call it maize. I call it (laughs) candy maize. (laughs) This is a vegetable of a candy. It is meant to be nibbled with the narrow side first. Wait, are and you giving a candy corn etiquette class yeah, right I'm appalled by this. I've, candy corn is amazing. What? Yes. Are you kidding me? And thank you. It has like notes to it. It has top note oh of vanilla God. and a mouth. It has a little al dente. Are you like, being paid off yeah, by the candy corn yeah. office right now? <laughs> if I was, if I was an candy. actual ear of corn, I would slap you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so offended. Bill, how did Sean do in our Well, he got them all right. (laughs) There you go. Congratulations, Sean. Thank you so much for playing. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Faith, a private spaceflight company is looking for volunteers willing to go into outer space specifically to do what? Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, Well, is it something that you can only do in outer space? Uh, no, it's okay, frequently it's done here. Oh. You've done it, uh, but it's never been done in space before. Uh, have babies Yes, in to space? give birth in space. What? Wow. You've I always th- wanted to get pregnant without <laughs> gaining any weight. <laughs> <laughs> A company called Space Life Origins has the gig for you. They say that if we ever want to travel to distant worlds, we're going to need to learn to reproduce in space. So they're looking for a volunteer to test it. What? The idea is you'll first go up into space, conceive the baby, come back down, gestate, Uh wait nine months, fly back up. Don't you need, like, I've never given birth, but don't you need, like, gravity... Yeah, right? that would help, there, right? Isn't there, like, isn't gravity yeah. helpful for yeah. birthing a or, baby? Or, or wouldn't it make easy, I mean, you're not going to, you're going to want to hold on to that umbilical. Yeah, yeah, hold <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's not going anywhere, don't worry, we'll just pull it right back in, yeah. I, I, Although, I mean, you're all, we're all focusing on the on the giving birth part, which will be weird enough, but the first part, the yeah, conception, the, that that's ha- never been done in space. And the so pressure, who knows what will happen. It's like, Houston, we have a problem. This has never happened yeah. before. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, are you ovulating or are we just right next to the moon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, also, as, as someone who has given birth, Breastfeeding in space is kind of, that's a cool idea. You yeah. could be like, a, your kid could be across the room and you could be like, stay no. right there. <laughs> Open your mouth. <laughs> I'm serious. That, yeah, but you have to make the pew pew laser noises. That, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> this could be Babe, cool. you are making me never want to have a baby ever. I do like the new, I do love like the new answer you can give kids. Like, hey mom, where do babies come from? They come from space. <laughs> <laughs>
coming up. Our panelists come up with excuses, but they're all lies. It's our Bluff the Listener game. Call one triple eight. Wait, wait to play. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from the American Petroleum Institute. The natural gas and oil industry is becoming more high-tech every day. Through innovative technologies such as 3D mapping and machine learning, the energy industry is committed to environmental progress and building a better future. To learn about to learn more about how natural gas and oil are turning brain power into horsepower, text ENERGY to 73075. Olympic gymnastics doctor Larry Nassar abused hundreds of women and girls for more than 20 years before he was caught. Hear how a team of women brought down a serial sexual predator. Believed, a new podcast for Michigan Radio and NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Faith Staley, Helen Hong, and Adam Burke. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you so much, Bill. Right now, it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter, Bill, and uh, Wait, Wait panel. I'm Cassie from Washington, D.C. Hey, how are you, Cassie? How are things in Washington? Oh, God. Every time I walk out the house and look at the um, Capitol, I think, God, what a bad state of affairs we're in right now. Yeah. Well, Cassie, it is very nice to have you with us. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Cassie's topic? You have no excuse. Okay, maybe you have one. The key to being a great athlete is coming up with good excuses when you lose. Like how the Dodgers said they lost the World Series because someone told them it's four strikes and you're out. (laughs) This week we heard about another sports excuse. Pick the panelist who's telling you the real one. You'll win our prize. The voice of your choice on your voicemail. You ready to play? I'm ready. First, let's hear from Helen Hong. The undefeated Santa Fe Snow Leopards were riding high into their minor league division championships, but lost a stunning three games in a row in the playoffs. Was it the pressure of the playoffs being televised on ESPN3? Was it the distraction of screaming fans dressed up as all manner of snow leopards? Well, turns out it was just zits. Unbeknownst to the poor snow leopards, their equipment manager had switched the brand of black under eye grease, which players use to reduce glare. This new grease, which had the suspicious consistency of cheap shoe polish, caused all of the players to break out with huge, embarrassing pimples. It's my first time being on ESPN, moaned the first baseman Jorge Chavez. I look like I'm in eighth grade again. Indeed, the mass breakouts were such an embarrassment for the snow leopards, nicknamed by some cruel fans as the spotted leopards, that they spent most of the game holding their hands in front of their faces rather than actually trying to hit or catch balls. While they're done for the season, management has already sold naming rights for next year, and they're really excited for opening day at Accutane Stadium. A minor league baseball team blames a terrible loss on getting pimples from their eye black. Your next story of an excuse in sport comes from Adam Burke. We've all had bosses that annoyingly try to raise morale. The guy that walks up and down high-fiving everyone like a one-man streptococcus delivery system. (laughs) 
the manager that insists on celebrating every birthday, even though we all know Cheryl from accounts is getting fired at the end of the month. Well, it turns out such forced enthusiasm extends to professional sports, where it can be just as harmful. In a recent interview, legendary Washington Redskins running back Clinton Portis said it was just that type of forced pep rallying that jinxed the team's 2008 season. Portis railed against then-coach Jim Zorn and his practice of having the team gather in the locker room to cheer, hip, hip, hooray, like a Connecticut polo team from the 30s. <laughs> and saying that it contributed to the Skins blowing their 5-2 start to the season. That's how the locker room got divided, he explained. While locker room rituals are certainly common in professional sports, the preferred mantras tend to be more modern and pop culture orientated, and less like something you'd hear at a rally for the bull moose party, or a group of people trying to cheer up a particularly morose Victorian clown. <laughs> As a grown man, explained Portis, you're sitting here thinking about hip hip and throwing it up. Like, are you kidding me? While Portis's frustration is certainly understandable, it doesn't hold the candle to having to sing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow to Peter Sagal for five minutes before every show <laughs> before he'll go on. The Redskins season ruined being because they were forced to say hip hip hooray by their coach. Your last story of a reason for a rout comes from Faith Saley. Ukrainian figure skating couple Anastasia Ponomarenko and Maxim Bondar have been undefeated champions. They're also Ukraine's biggest love story. Together for nine years on the ice, their romance is fire. They never stumble. So imagine the shock during a recent national competition when Anastasia not only faltered, but actually fell on her tukas. According to a breathless interview she gave just after her disastrous performance, it all began right before they skated onto the ice when Maxim took off his warm-up jacket and Anastasia noticed something weird. It was Maxim's left nipple, extremely prominent under his sparkly spandex. Was he cold, this man who spends his days on the ice? No, his right nipple looked calm and toasty. <laughs> Wait, thought Anastasia, it's not his nipple, it's a nipple ring. She lost all focus the moment they started their icy pas de deux. When she pressed against Maxim's chest, she felt the hard metal. How could this be? Why had he done this? Was he having an affair? Her Lutz was lame. Her triple sow cow was barely a single cow. At the end of the performance, Anastasia collapsed. The audience gasped. The judges gaped. But then Maxim got down on the ice on one knee. He reached into his unitard, groping his nipple to extract the diamond ring he'd taped there. When he asked Anastasia to marry him, she pounded his chest and sobbed, Taktai Ublyudok, which is Ukrainian for, yes, you bastard. <laughs> the happy fiancés have just signed a deal with Ukraine's largest jeweler to create a line of nipple, tongue, and nose engagement rings. <laughs> a poor performance in ice dancing. Let me... Let me review your choices. This was offered up as an excuse for why something went wrong in the world of sport. Was it from Helen Hong, a minor league baseball team couldn't play because their eye black gave them zits? From Adam, the 2008 Redskins season is ruined because the coach insists on a silly cheer. Or from Faith Saley, an ice dancing performance is wrecked because of a suspected nipple ring. Which of these is the real story of an excuse in the week's news? Um, I'm going to go with Adam. You're going to go with Adam's story of how hip, hip, hooray 
ruined the Washington football team's season. All right, well, this is what we're going to play. We actually, our intern called up somebody at the center of the story, and, well, I just want you to listen to what happened. Would you mind saying a paper A for no, me? No, you I'm want not going to say it. <laughs> As you've noticed, I've stayed away from it, and I'm going to continue to stay away from it. That was <laughs> Catherine Coates, our intern, talking to Clinton Portis about the dumb cheer that he says ruined the 2008 Washington NFL season. Congratulations, Cassie. You got it right. Of course, it was Adam telling the truth. You've earned a point for him, and you've won our prize. Any voice that you might like on our show. Good going, Wonderful. Cassie. Wonderful. You know, this is much better than that weekend edition lapel pin. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Say well, that again louder. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye, Cassie. Take care. Bye, bye. bye. And now the game where people who've come a long way are introduced to things they missed on the way there. It's called Not My Job. Kevin Kwan was born to a wealthy family in Singapore, and once he moved to the United States, he realized nobody would believe the world he grew up in, so he wrote a novel about it called Crazy Rich Asians, and people loved it. The book has spawned two sequels and a very successful movie just this year. Kevin Kwan, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So I, I have I've been like knee deep in in your world all week, and it's delightful. But for the few people who have not either read your books or seen the movie, could you briefly describe the milieu that you write about? It's basically Downton Abbey in Asia. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's um the the first novel is set in Singapore. Yeah. Which, as you know, is a tiny island with the most millionaires in the world. And it's, it's really about the clash between old money and new money and, and what happens when a very innocent girl from New York goes to spend the summer holidays with her boyfriend and doesn't realize he's basically the Prince Harry of Singapore. Yeah, and it's, what's amazing, I mean, the, the book is funny and charming, and it, I can't wait to find out what happens and all that good stuff, but it describes things that I simply cannot believe, but I'm told are all true. Is that that all of the details of how these people live, is it's all drawn from memories in real life? A lot of it is, yeah. I would, I would say 99%. All right. Um, some stuff I have to actually tone down. So, it, like, for example, the woman who's depressed and she goes out and buys a million dollars worth of jewelry? That was toned down. She actually spent a lot more money than that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. The private jet yeah. with its own yoga studio? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. I mean, you have to do yoga when you have to do yoga, right? Exactly. <laughs> if you happen to be in your private jet, you're not going to wait till you land. So, uh, so this book was, was written about the people you knew growing up. Have those people read the book or seen the movie? And if so, what do they think of it? I think a lot of them have, and I, I think the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, of course, the ones that don't like it haven't told me. <laughs> really? Yeah, the, the, how, I, how Asian of them? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I think it's a good sign when, you know, when, when people start claiming they are characters in my book. Oh, really? You know, exactly. So, you know, before the movie was even made, um, the producers went to Singapore for a scouting trip, and, and they, they met about 20 people that claimed to be one person based <laughs> on the book. You know, really? So, um, yeah. And have you told that person? Does the person on whom it's really based on know? Um... Can I plead the fifth? Ah, you, you absolutely can. I, I, was reading, I was reading about you, and it says that after growing up in this rather, uh, shall we say, uh, privileged way in Singapore, you, you, you moved to the States, and it was a weird uh, kind of transition for you as a child. Is that right? It was totally weird. 
and and uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Actually, you know, I had to learn how to mow a lawn. Really? Yeah. Because back in Singapore, you didn't have a lawn, and you had if you did, you had servants to mow it. There were there were people who took care of the lawns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that I, I I I love about the book is that these people all look down on Americans. Absolutely. I mean, it's been the story of my life. You know, I, I moved here when I was 11 years old. Got two college degrees from American universities, and and I get no respect for my relatives. Back in Singapore. Right, because what have you done with your life? Exactly. Right. So, so what earns their respect? Oxford, if it's not Oxford, they don't care about it. Right. I mean, Harvard might just as well be, you know, just a correspondence university you do online. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, uh, but if, in fact, your <laughs> relatives, I mean, cause, and you do write about that quite hilariously, but I believe accurately about what these families expect of their children, having disappointed them so gravely by, you know, getting two degrees and living in New York and being successful. Did becoming a, a, a massively best-selling author and the progenitor of a really successful film, did that help at all in their eyes? Not at all. Really? <laughs> Not at all. I, I think my mom is still praying that I go to, to law school, you know, and, and get a real job. Do you, feel, do you feel like you are as American as you are Chinese? I do, actually. I mean, I've been here since I was 11, yeah. so that's, you know, more than 30 years now. Um, in, in fact, my Chinese relatives would say that I'm much more American than I am Chinese. For sure, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm Korean-American, and it's yeah. so funny how similar the, all the East Asian cultures are. Like, when I go back to Korea, my relatives are aghast that I still have my old nose. Uh, they're like, how provincial of you. I, you know, story of my life. You know, I, I, I haven't gotten my eyes done. I haven't gotten my nose done. Yes. You know, I'm just, you know, going to be ugly my whole life. Right. But really? I, I've dealt with it. And I have to, one of the things that runs through the book is, uh, is there are a lot of brand names. These, these people are very attuned to brands. Is that something you had to research or did you just know? It wasn't so much research as I was really trying to capture this world. And in this world, you know, I, I find that people are name-dropping brands a mile a minute. Yeah, you know? it's so incredible. So I would go visit, you know, cousins in Hong Kong, they, wanted, they would literally, like, yank at my shirt to see the label. You know, they'd, they'd, they'd want to know what, who made my shoes and this and that. And, and you know, it was, it's just very liberal sprinkling of brand names through everyday conversation. Kevin, have you heard of this um, crazy trend amongst uh, Chinese wealthy people of this, like, Instagram pose where they fall out of their car and, like, all these, like, really expensive things are falling out of their purse? That was last week's trend, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. <laughs> So, Kevin, but. if you fell out of a taxi in New York, what would we see, what would we catch on the streets splayed all around you? Probably my bagel. <laughs> Wait a minute. What brand bagel? <laughs> well, Kevin Kwan, it is a pleasure to talk to you. We have invited you here to play a game we're calling Crazy Rich Asians. Meet Crazy Itch Reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would almost say let's not play the game. It's not going to get any better than that. It really, actually, it doesn't. So just, it's downhill from here. You wrote Crazy Rich Asians. We thought we'd ask you about strange things that cause people to itch. Crazy itch reasons. Get to write you in a prize for one of our listeners, the voice of their choice on their voicemail. Bill, who is Kevin Kwan playing for? Thomas Seller of Ogunquit, Maine. All right. Here's your first question. Allergies, as you know, are a pain, but they can be useful if you need an excuse you can credibly claim, according to science, that you are allergic to what? A, exercise, B, homework, or C, picking up the check? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to go with A. You're going to go with exercise. A, exercise. That's right, Kevin. That's exactly oh, wow. what it is. Apparently, some people 
have an allergy to exertion, they get hives. So just stay on the couch. Better be safe. Yeah. All right, next question, Kevin. Poison ivy is, of course, a terrible cause of itching, but it has practical uses, such as which of these? A, ultramarathoners chew in it to use the misery in their mouth to distract them from all their other miseries. <laughs> B, Calvin Klein plants it around his $75 million Hamptons mansion to keep tourists away. Or C, certain beauty experts recommend rubbing it on the cheeks instead of rouge. Oh, wow. Um, since I love going to the Hamptons and I think Calvin Klein's a, a great designer, I'm going to go with that answer. You're exactly right. Wow. If you approach <laughs> Calvin Klein's new mansion, you'll see signs warning you of poison ivy planted around the windows. That is incredible. Right. I was about to say the Hamptons yeah. must seem like the slum compared to Singapore. <laughs> it's very quaint, yeah. <laughs> One of, last question, one of the worst causes of itching is mosquitoes. One study proves you can prevent getting bitten by doing what? A, covering yourself in fleas, which are a huge turnoff for mosquitoes. <laughs> B, putting Limburger cheese nearby. It attracts them because it smells like human feet. Or C, just biting the mosquitoes first. <laughs> ha. Um, I should call up Murray's Cheese Shop in New York and see if they have any advice for me on that one. Let's see. Um... I'm going to go with B, the cheese. You're right. That's exactly oh, right. right. No oh. need to call the cheese shop. Limburger <laughs> cheese. Apparently, Limburger cheese smells enough like people. It will draw the mosquitoes to itself. Wow. Try that at your next picnic. Oh, wow. Good tip. Absolutely. Yeah. Crazy smart Asian, Kevin. <laughs> this is the first test I've ever passed. Quite frankly, <laughs> you know, so. I wonder if your Chinese family will finally be proud. They might be. They might be. Bill, how mm. did Kevin Kwan do in our quiz? Kevin hit the trifecta. All three right. You're a champ. Kevin Kwan is the author of Crazy Rich Asians. The Crazy Rich Asians trilogy is now available as a box set, and of course, the film is out there as well. Kevin Kwan, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So much fun. Thank you. Thank you. In just a minute, Bill struts his stuff in the Listener Limerick Challenge. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is a self-installed wireless protection for your home. The company was founded by an electrical engineer whose friends were burglarized. They wanted home security, but most systems were too complicated and too expensive. So he built Simply Safe. Now they protect over 2 million people. And with Simply Safe, there are no annual contracts. Learn more about Simply Safe today at simplysafe.com/wait. Florida is one of only three states that don't let ex-felons vote. I'm 73 years old. I don't have no more criminal background. I work. I pay taxes. I'm a good person. Why can't they let me vote? Hear why that might change on Embedded. PR on WBEZ Chicago. This is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Adam Burke, Faith Salian, Helen Hong, and here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill reminds us to set our clocks back for daylight savings rhyme. It's the listener <laughs> limerick challenge game. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Helen, a new study 
shows that one key to a healthy relationship involves partners consistently doing what to each other? Oh. <laughs> uh, can I have a hint? It's like, take my wife. I, I know you're my wife, but uh, just play along. Teasing? Yes. Really? Teasing and ridiculing each other. Oh my God, I'm so good at that. Oh. I can't stay in a relationship to save my life. <laughs> well, Wait, so you make fun of each other and you that do. helps you stay N in the relationship? New studies show that couples who make fun of each other are more likely to be satisfied with their relationship and sex life versus couples who love and respect one another. They're miserable. <laughs> really about I believe this this makes sense if you have a sense because first of all if if you have a sense of humor about yourself yeah then you probably have uh, you're probably pretty healthy yes and if your partner can poke fun at your foibles that yes. shows like that's intimate yeah it's like you know this about me you can make fun that is I believe the theory I don't want anybody fun. poking my foible <laughs> <laughs> if it's uh, consensual yeah. it's, mm. also don't How about in space can they poke the <laughs> foible in space? Well, yeah I think they need gravity again the, the I correct think gravity is important the for correct poker. term is in space. <laughs> <laughs> but it's th this sort of thing is like a, a hallmark of all the classic romances. Who can forget in Titanic when Rose is like, uh, sink much, Jack? <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, and that great Shakespearean right. Romeo, Romeo, where for are you? I'm down here, you blind That old joke. Uh, Adam, a Russian scientist stationed in a remote research facility in Australia, is recovering quite well after a colleague stabbed him because he wouldn't stop doing what? Um, I, th I, I know this story. You do? Yeah. Uh, he wouldn't stop ruining the end of books. That's exactly <laughs> right. What? He wouldn't stop spoiling the ending of books. The first rule of book club. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is a Russian research station. And, you know, in the winter of Antarctica, which is just ending now, you know, their tiny little library is extremely valuable. And apparently one scientist just liked to, in chatting with his fellows, just liked to spoil the endings of the books oh. before the other guy could read them. Yeah, he oh. definitely deserved to get shanked. Well, look, look. <laughs> Like, yeah. oh yeah, this one, the murderer, it's all of them. <laughs> Jesus dies, but then he comes back. <laughs> and finally, one of his colleagues just snapped and stabbed him. The spoiler guy has been evacuated. He's doing fine. He's going to recover. But it was a little dicey. He's lying there. You're like, oh my God, I've just been stabbed. And the attacker leans over and whispers, spoiler, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, the Marines are developing a high-powered laser that allows them to do what to their enemies from almost a mile away? A high-powered laser that you can do something a mile away? Yeah. Um, I'm assuming the answer is not just kill them? No, that would be, I think, a little expected, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> can I have a hint? Sure, you thought this could only happen if you were a liar, liar. <gasps> pants on fire! Yes, set people's <laughs> pants on fire! What? Or make them very hot. I, I was going to guess remove their tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you can set people's pants on fire from, from a, a mile away? With a laser, yeah. Marines will soon be able to create a temporary, non-harming, sensation of unpleasant heat in a target's clothing using a laser. Raising the question, is that a military-grade laser directed at your pants, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> What, wait, so surely the counter attack to this is take off your pants. Yeah, that would Just be the counter. Ha ha ha. You, you. <laughs> now oh, no. I am pantsless. Yeah. I have defeated you. The famous naked regiment. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't matter how.
how hot your pants get, they will never burst into flame. Uh, I don't know exactly. But it just makes you feel hot? Yeah, you, you simply aim this device. It's called the Scalable Compact Ultra Short Pulse Laser System. You aim it at an Wait, enemy. Wait, stop. That has to be an acronym. Slow uh, we, down. We, we, the Scalable what? It's the Scalable Scal Compact Ultra Pulse Laser Hold System. Hold on. Scalable Compact Ultra Pulse Laser Yeah, the scuffle. The scuffle, yeah. You yeah, simply yeah. aim. <laughs> This device. They could have made that scalpel to send They're back, just, uh, said, keep back to the drawing board until we have an acronym, <laughs> damn it. So it also, it turns out that it also can be used to transmit sound. So you can yell at people, tell them to stop marching on you. From Go a mile away. away. From a mile With away. With a hey, laser? Hey, yeah. put your pants on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we, you, we need you to put your pants on. Don't ask me why. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank. But first, it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Or click the contact us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago and our upcoming show in Orlando, Florida, on November fifteenth. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hello, how are you, Peter? I'm fine. Who's this? Alice Weiser in Houston, Texas. Hey, how are things in Houston? Well, it's good and it's bad. I mean, it's cold one day and hot the next day, but I love it here. No, I'm glad you do. What do you do there? I'm a handwriting analyst and body language consultant. Wait a minute. Ooh. You're a what? A handwriting analyst and body language consultant? Right. Well, what sort of things do you do in that, in that vein? Well, for companies, jury selection, entertainment on cruise ships, things of this type, because the time you place your pen on a piece of paper, your entire personality unfolds. What does it mean if your handwriting is completely illegible to everyone, including yourself? You know who you are, and if they don't know, that's their problem. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you Boom. very much. Okay, what can I say? <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Alice. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly in two of the limericks, you will be a winner. You ready to oh, play? Oh, I hope I can be a winner. Oh, me too. Here is your first limerick. I'll get kayaks and cake pans and dried berries at this book-lending place on the high prairie. With this one magic card, I'll get tools for the yard. I can borrow all this from the... Oh, gosh. Yard man. No. Yo, I missed it. Berries. Um, I don't think I it rhymes it. with dried berries and high prairie. Uh, library. Library, yes. Yeah. In the olden days, libraries only checked out books. And books, you might recall are two pieces of hard paper <laughs> with a soft paper center that's covered in words that don't do anything when you touch them. <laughs> well, these are tough times for libraries as everything's going online, so many libraries are expanding what they offer, according to a story in the Washington Post. Instead of just books, you can get uh, fishing poles from one library in Illinois. The New York Public Library offers uh, briefcases, handbags for people going on job interviews. A library in Oregon has 30 ukuleles, because of course they do. <laughs> Interesting side note, if you keep a ukulele past its due date, they pay you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here is your next limerick. On our runway, this model went splat, licked its butt, swiped at legs, hissed and spat. The worst part, I'm sure. It is wearing real fur. <laughs> our fashion show is plagued by a Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. I thought I knew everything by a cat. By yes, a cat. <laughs> 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 
Fashion critics couldn't help but say meow at the Esmod International Fashion Show in Istanbul this week after a stray cat wandered onto the catwalk <laughs> during the show. While models strutted and posed past her, the cat laid back, occasionally scratched herself and swatted at the models. <laughs> and then, just like a contestant on America's Next Top Model, the cat stood up, confidently walked down the center of the runway, stopped, turned, and licked her butt. <laughs> <laughs> Are people going to be mad when that's not in the collection? <laughs> I think so. I want to look like that. <laughs> Here is your last limerick. I don't live at the pole where Chris Kringle dwells. All those songs make my brain into single cells. I have suffered the peril of too many carols. I went nuts from exposure to... Perils. Um, carols. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think I do better at handwriting. Yeah, I know. Oh. It's amazing. Ding, it's ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. Bells. Well, ding, well, you've already won, so I'll tell you it's Jingle Bells. Jingle I went nuts bells. from exposure to Jingle Bells. <laughs> Christmas oh, music. Christmas music <laughs> makes you crazy, according to a clinical psychologist and everybody. The notion is that the brain tends to prefer things it's familiar with, so it actually takes mental energy to not focus on the Christmas carols being played incessantly in the background and focus on what you're supposed to be doing, the open heart surgery. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find yourself disoriented and confused because you're, you're subconsciously spending energy trying to ignore yet another rendition of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> Not to mention the emotional stress of losing a grandparent to such a horrible <laughs> accident. Can I just say how, how charming I find it that Alice doesn't know how limericks work? <laughs> I just imagine some guy going to her, there was an old man from Nantucket, and she's like, go on. <laughs> I must know more about this old man. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Hey, Bill, how did Alice do in our quiz? She got two out of three right. That makes her a winner. Congratulations, Alice. Alice. Thank you so much, Alice, for playing. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. <laughs>Support for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and the following message comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, introducing their all-new Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash wait. Rate Shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Season 2 of Choiceology an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Season two of Choiceology is hosted by decision scientist Katie Milkman. Listen as she shares real-world stories of people facing monumental decisions with special guests ranging from sports heroes to Nobel laureates. Choiceology also provides tools and strategies for making better choices in life. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer is now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Faith and Helen each have two, and Adam has four. Oh, what? my gosh. We have flipped a coin, and Helen has decided to go first. 
The clock will start when they begin your first question. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, President Trump said he was considering sending 15,000 troops to meet the blank at the border. The refugee caravan. Yes. Following another political setback, German Chancellor Blank told her party she wouldn't seek re-election in December. Angela Merkel. Right. This week, Rudy Giuliani said that the administration had prepared written responses to special counsel Blank's questions for Trump. Oh, Mueller. Right. On Sunday, the Boston Red Sox beat the L.A. Dodgers to claim their fourth blank win in 15 oh, years. Oh, World Series. Yay! On Tuesday, notorious mobster and FBI informant blank was killed in prison. Oh, Whitey Bulger. Yes. According to a report released this week, the blank may be absorbing more heat than previously thought. The ocean? Yes. This week, a shop owner in Belgium prevented a robbery by telling the burglars blank. Your mother would be ashamed of you. No, actually, he told them, this really isn't a good time. Could you come back later? <laughs> the six-armed robbers entered around noon, and the owner quickly explained there really wasn't much money in the store and that they should come back later. So they left, and they came back five hours later. The owner convinced them to leave for a second time. Eventually, the robbers were arrested by undercover officers. Don't worry, though. The group is already planning an escape from prison just as soon as they find out what time is most convenient for the guards. <laughs> Bill, how did Helen do in our quiz? Well, she got six right, 12 more points, total of 14, and the lead. Yes. All right. Faith, you're up next, fill in the blank. On Sunday night, far-right candidate Jair Bolsonaro claimed victory in the presidential elections in blank. Brazil. Right. A report released Monday suggested that the White House is planning to impose blanks on all remaining Chinese imports. Tariffs. Right. This week, the Senate Intelligence Committee said they were investigating Trump's former chief strategist Blank's actions during the 2016 election. Oh, oh, Bannon. Yes. In a change of policy, streaming service Blank said it would release three movies into theaters before adding them to their site. Netflix. Yes. Police in Missouri were proud to announce that they had recovered a $4,000 Blank stolen from a hospital last week. Inflatable colon? Yes, indeed. On Wednesday, what? Mexico's Supreme Court ruled that the country's ban on recreational Blank was unconstitutional. Uh, marijuana. Right. On Thursday, employees of Search Giant Blank began a worldwide walkout to protest the company's sexual harassment scandals. Google. Right. This week, a Greyhound bus driver headed to New York covered up the fact that he was lost by blanking. D d driving around and saying he was helping people trick-or-treat. You're so close. He just basically drove around Cleveland in circles for hours. <laughs> Passengers say they knew something was up when they noticed that they had been driving through Cleveland for four hours. Logically, this could only mean one of two things. Either the bus driver was lost and was driving in circles, or there had been an accident, and now they were all in hell. <laughs> Eventually, the driver found his way, and the bus arrived in New York five hours late, making this the most successful Greyhound trip of all time. <laughs> Bill, how did Faith do in our quiz? Faith moved into the lead with seven right, 14 more points, total of 16. And how many, then, does Adam Burke need to win? Six to tie and seven to win. All right, Never Adam, this happen. is for the game. On Wednesday, President Trump confirmed that despite promises there would be no middle class blank passed this year. Tax cut. Right, on Monday, the fiancé of slain journalist Jamal Khashoggi called on President Trump to be tougher on blank. Saudi Arabia. Right. This week, Secretary of Defense James Mattis called for a ceasefire in the civil war raging in blank. Yemen. Right. On Tuesday, a ban on military drills over the demilitarized zone in blank went into effect. Uh, South Korea. Right. A woman in Alabama was forced to call an emergency dentist this week after blank. Killing her regular dentist. No, after her <laughs> Halloween vampire fangs got stuck to her teeth. <laughs> on Tuesday, Blank unveiled the latest versions of the MacBook Air and iPad Pro. Uh, Apple. Right. A dog owner in Oklahoma City is warning her neighbors to please not feed her dog even though it's blanking. 
getting married. No, even though it's pretending to be a stray so it can catch free hamburgers at McDonald's. <laughs> Betsy Ray suspected that her dog Princess might be up to something when she noticed that the pooch had put on a suspicious amount of weight. So she secretly followed the dog to a nearby McDonald's where she found out that Princess had been wandering the parking lot pretending to be a stray until people fed her hamburgers. <laughs> Though Betsy has now warned the neighbors, she says that the problem will sort itself out, especially now that that dog who plays Wonderwall on an acoustic guitar <laughs> has set up across the street. <laughs> Bill, did Adam do well enough to win? He came close. Five right, ten more points, total of 14. And uh, that means Faith is our winner this week. Congratulations, Faith. In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict what write-in candidate will surprise everybody by winning big on Tuesday. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, a benevolent overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran and Mary Daolio. Our interns are Catherine Coates and Zoe Lowenberg. Our web guru is Beth Novi. B.J. Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills and Miles Dornboss and Lillian Tilly King. Peter Gwynn is the NPR Wine Club's assistant sommelier. <laughs> Technical direction is from Lorna White. Her master of operations is Colin. Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Shillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what write-in candidate will surprise everybody next week in the midterms? Adam Burke. Uh, that little six-year-old kid who had a Halloween costume where it looked like she was holding her own head. Yes. If you haven't seen it, go look at it and then vote for it. Yeah. Faith Sailor. We need a guy who can rehabilitate the reputation of white men and whose voice can bring us all together. It's Bill Curtis in a landslide. <laughs> And Helen Hong. Tony the Tiger, because he wants to make America great. <laughs> <laughs> well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Adam Burke, Faith Saley, and Helen Hong. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Peter Sagal. We'll see you next week. This is NPR.